George Addis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about America, not lost yet. Nick Searcy, the producer of Capital Punishment, the great documentary film, joins me today. And I'm going to do a cruise through the news, which I used to do on my show when I was at Salem. And I'm just going to do it here on this show because there's so many stories I couldn't wait to hit. And I'm not going to do much of the detail on any of them. We'll follow up later in the week. So stay tuned, and I will tell you why these stories matter to you. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. I'm going to guess a lot of you hear people, your friends and family, saying things more or less to the effect, you know what, America is over. We, we, we've lost. We, we have lost the battle. We've lost the culture. We've lost the country. And people feeling pretty despondent about the condition, the state of affairs in America. And I do understand that. I, I think you look around at a wide variety of issues, and you can think, you know, America the great, unique, extraordinary, exceptional seems to be gone. In fact, there was a column today in American Thinker uh, written by one of their great and frequent writers, Andrea Wildberg, Widberg, and she was talking about this little town she grew up in outside of San Francisco. And the basic story she was saying is this used to be Americana. You know, she had uh, went to a public school there, uh, used to be the safe enough neighborhood where, you know, her mom would give her and her friends a quarter, each a quarter. They'd go down to the ice cream shop and ice cream cone. I mean, Americana picture. And then she had a video of it uh, currently today. And they have, of course, uh, under left-wing rule, it has just, the town was called, by the way, West Portal. West Portal. We've lived in California for years. I'd never even heard of this. But anyway, West Portal, uh, the vision, what, the picture she was showing was people who had taken video um, at an intersection in the center of this, what used to be this sweet little town. And there were people who were doing this kind of racing. They would get to the middle of this big intersection, crowds all around, and they would drive their car faster and faster around a circle till it spun out. And, and the crowds cheering it on. And, and People are calling the police saying, hey, this looks a little bit dangerous. You know, police uh, nowhere to be seen. I guess apparently showed up some point much later. And she's making the point, what has happened to America? Now, this is just one town. I live in Dallas, Texas. Uh, we travel a lot. We're in California. We're in Florida. We're in the East Coast. A lot of people are, compla are complaining. It's not the right word. They're noticing that America seems to be in decline. We have a rise of crime. We had the lawlessness of the January of the riots all during uh, 2020, the, and, and seemingly no response from the criminal justice system or insufficient response, and people have a sense that America is lost. In fact, one last before I tell you the good news, one last thing. Two weeks ago, I think it was, we had Sidney Powell on this show, and Sidney Powell was talking about the idea that people keep saying America is going socialist, and she's saying no, no. America has already gone over the cliff. We've already gone over the cliff of socialism. Right now, what we're trying to do is just grab on to the, some root, some tree hanging out and hold on for dear life and maybe struggle to get ourselves back up to being America, the free America, the great. I don't discount any of that. I do understand concerns, but I just want to say this. This entire show is dedicated to love of preservation of America, the unique, the extraordinary, the great. And the reason you don't ever have to give in and you should never give in to the idea that we can lose America is because America itself, this, the founding ideas, they weren't just, they were not, never about race, skin, color, national origin. They were about an idea. The founding of America was itself an idea that we have, as the founders recited the Declaration, we, all people on the planet Earth since time began, actually have always had a God-given right to live in freedom. The concept that the founders had and they recited in the Declaration, they tried to flesh out in the way they constructed government later when they got the Constitution going, was this idea that man has rights from God simply because we're born, that we are all created equal, that we have rights at least to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, and freedom of speech, freedom of religion, uh, freedom against oppression, uh, a right to defend ourselves, a whole slew of rights they spelled out. And these ideas actually do appeal to the majority of people in America, and I would argue the majority in the world. 
The ideas America was founded on were right. At this particular juncture in human history, in American history, we have a government that is not in the slightest respectful of those rights. He doesn't even agree with them, doesn't like the Constitution, doesn't like the limitation of the federal government's power the Constitution actually provides, doesn't like any of that. We are at a dangerous place where those who despise the idea of America seem to have power. But I'm telling you, I'll reassure you again in wrapping up this first five, the majority of Americans are right with us. They do not like what is happening to our country. They do not like the idea that we are having a loss of law and order, a defund the police, abandonment of the southern border, lunatic level foreign policy, which we'll get to in the third segment today. The majority of people are with us. It is incumbent on the patriots of this generation, as it always has been since America was founded, to stand up and speak up with the extraordinary greatness of America. And that, my friends, is today's first five. So we have a guest joining us, Nick Searcy. I'm going to tell you something really quickly. Nick Searcy, I'm sure a lot of you are like, I know that name. You know, he is kind of a hero, not kind of, he is a hero among conservatives because, for among other reasons, uh, he directed a movie a couple of years ago. It was like 20, yeah, 2018, a movie about this horrific doctor, Dr. Gosnell, who was the, the uh, his abortion clinic was, I, I don't even want to get down that path. We talked about it a lot at the time. We're not going to go into it today. The point is Nick Searcy is a Hollywood actor. He is a famous actor. He's a famous producer. And what he has and the quality people love so much is he has political courage. He had the courage to speak out, uh, which is essentially the Gosnell movie. It was called Gosnell, the Trial of America's Biggest Serial Killer. Conservatives loved it because it showed bravery on the part of somebody in Hollywood, a small little cabal in Hollywood, are going to say, we're not going to just go along with a left-wing view that abortion's fine, nothing to see here. We're going to speak up. So he has been brave on that front. Great movie, great documentary film he made then. Now, what we're, why we're having him on today is he released a film on Thanksgiving Day. And the film, uh, I wish I could play the entire thing for you, but I cannot. But he released a film essentially talking about what really happened on January 6th in Washington, D.C. It's called Capital Punishment. And I, we're going to talk to him about that in a minute. But I want to plant this one last seed before he comes on. The reason that the anti-American left can make so much headway about the January 6th incident in Washington was because early on they attempted to seize a narrative or seize a storyline and characterize what happened on January 6th in Washington as an insurrection. If you get people believing that what happened on January 6th was an actual attempt, attempted insurrection as opposed to a mostly peaceful march with a small amount of violence occurring that had many players and outside players involved who were not part of the MAGA a Trump supporting crowd, you have a whole different picture. But the left is determined that this narrative, this fairy tale they've concocted that January 6th was an insurrection, it must be believed by the American people because it justifies all that they are doing to follow up on January 6th. So without further ado, let me welcome to the show Nick Searcy. Hi, hey, Nick. Debbie, how are you? Uh, well, how are you? Pretty good, pretty good, busy. I'm glad you're busy, and I hope my intro wasn't too long, but I wanted to set that stage because I do feel like the uh, left gets so much mileage out of January 6th by convincing people it was a bad, 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 intentional from the beginning insurrection. So I'm going to turn to you first and say you were in Washington on January 6th. Tell us very quickly about your day there, what you saw. Well, that's kind of how this movie came about is that I was there on, on January 6th, not with the intention of making a film, but just because I'm a great American and I wanted to be there. And, uh, I, you know, I took some uh, just casual sort of touristy type iPhone videos and stuff. And I walked around the Capitol. I saw people praying and singing and saying the Star Spangled Banner. And uh, I saw people waving flags and chanting USA and and singing, we're not going to take it. Uh, and, and it looked like a tailgate party to me. It didn't, I didn't see any violence. I didn't see anything. And when I got home, uh, I didn't see anything like what the media was telling me happened that day. I didn't see any of that. And so that's kind of how the idea came about. It's like, why is the media's uh, portrayal of this so different from my actual perception? 
And so we set about to make this film. Okay, love that story. And of course, a lot of people have seen some of the film footage from the outside the Capitol that does show people, you know, climbing up, probably when they're not supposed to climb. There was a lot of passion in that crowd. And I really would call it passion and not, I mean, there are people there very concerned because they actually believed the election had been stolen. I will tell you that my husband and I were in Washington on November 14th. So the previous year after the election outcome was being announced, oh, who knew Biden won all these swing states where he was losing uh, until they stopped counting. So we were there and we had the same impression you're describing of the kind of crowd. I think January 6th was bigger, but November 14th was huge. Clearly at least a million people in Washington. They were every race, ethnicity, national origin, happy people, upbeat people. And that was the impression, but not what you saw in the media. So back to making your film. I just want to run through, I have a bunch of clips from your film. Um, and in fact, I have the whole trailer. I was debating whether to, I'm not sure I'm going to play that, but a bunch of clips from the film. But when you, what you did see in Washington, D.C., uh, you know, and then you've captured on the film, you had a suggestion, more than a suggestion, the film that some of the violence was starting at the Capitol while the Trump supporters were still at the um, area in Washington where Trump was speaking. So can you talk to address that a little bit, that the violence seemed to be starting at the Capitol before the Trump speech was over? Yes, we showed that in the movie that the uh, first breaking of anything at the Capitol, the first breach, was done before Trump stopped talking. Uh, nobody that was listening to the speech was over at the Capitol doing this. So who were they? And so when we go into this, we show we have footage of people changing clothes in the bushes. We have footage of people that are all masked up and dressed all in black uh, that are not really your typical MAGA supporters, you know, because we generally speaking, we we don't wear our masks outside. You know, we're not insane. So, (laughs) you know, and so you, you get a look at all these different people that are there. And also you take into account that at most of these Trump rallies, there is always some sort of a visible counter protest. There's somebody with signs saying, you know, down with Trump or whatever on the other side. There was none of that that day. And that bears, uh, gives it a little more credibility that those people had infiltrated the crowd. And so you also have people that show up in our movie that look like FBI informants. You know, they, they don't look like your typical uh, patriotic, constitution-loving Americans. And I don't believe that the violence that day was started by uh, by Trump support. I, I know, that's what many people are saying. I can completely believe that. There was one particular individual, Ray Epps, and, and you yeah. featured him a little bit in the film. Very quickly, Ray Epps was a guy who, in fact, I sent uh, Ziggy, Mr. Becker, there he is, Ray Epps. He was a guy who was, uh, and I don't, could not get this clip in your film ready to show today, Nick, but that guy was in up at the Capitol and he was cheering on people, urging people the day before, actually in the 5th and the 6th, and we got to get in the Capitol, get in the Capitol, get in the Capitol. And he was, his picture was out on all these wanted lists. And, and then all of a sudden, they just got dropped, dropped off the FBI website. Much suspicion that he may have had some, he was an FBI guy or some other not un, not a genuine MAGA supporter there stirring trouble up. So just tell me if you would kind of feed me with or summarize for our listeners what it was that you say or you, that you could look at to say, point to, to say, look, this was some of the violence that got started. The whole conduct seemed to be by people who weren't the Trump supporters. Well, you see the evidence in the movie. We show the footage of people changing clothes. We show Ray Epps in the movie telling people that he wants them to go inside the Capitol. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's more uh, an idea that the, the breaking into the Capitol at that point wouldn't make sense if you were a Trump supporter, because what we were there for that day, what we wanted to happen was actually happening inside the Capitol. Ted Cruz was challenging the re- results of certain states. Josh Hawley was stal- challenging these results. We wanted that to happen. There is no reason that a Trump supporter would try to break into the Capitol to stop that proceeding. And what happened? The Capitol was breached. Uh, They they suspended the the joint session. And then when they came back, they said, we have to just certify the vote now because it's too dangerous to go on challenging it. So it was totally counterproductive. And no, 
there was nobody there that wanted to stop what was going on that day. So this lends more and more credence to the fact that the people who did a lot of the violence started the violence. Maybe they got some, uh, you know, boisterous Trump supporters to participate, but it wouldn't have made any sense for us to do that. And on top of that, we have we have, one more thing. We have an interview with the two 74-year-old twin sisters who were <laughs> in Washington that day. And that's another thing. You know, most of the people that were there that day were my age or older. So we weren't armed with anything other than our blood pressure medicine and our polygrip. You know, so it's insane to think that we were all there for an insurrection. But these two ladies saw people walking in and out of the Capitol calmly. And they said, do you want to go in? And they, yeah, okay. And they went in, they asked the police that was in, that was standing inside, asked the policeman if it was okay if they were in there. The policeman said, yes. They took a few pictures. They walked out, they went home. Three weeks later, the FBI comes to their door and threatens them with jail time. I mean, it's, it's really, really insane. It really is. I will tell you, we watched your film uh, at our house. My husband and I did with uh, one of our adult kids, and you, you kind of were incredulous. You're, you're thinking, at, at the end, actually, my, our son's comment was, you know, this looks like something could have happened, uh, you know, like in, like in a communist country, in communist Russia, when you watch the way the government's acting. I want to wrap up this insurrection point to say, all of the effort of the left to call this insurrection, nobody... I mean, some insurrection, nobody had weapons. Believe me, if anyone, no one among the people who were at, in the crowds, the MAGA crowds, no one had a weapon, no guns seized. No, I mean, there just, there were no weapons there. So obviously pretty bizarre to call an insurrection, no, no weapons available. And actually the charges against virtually everyone who's been charged with anything are things like unlawful parading. Right. Who knew, yeah trespassing so i want to get the, I, I want to hit some of these particular stories you have simone gold in particular i want to talk about uh, but actually you sound like did you want to say a comment about that before we launch off on simone no no go right ahead okay so simone gold i will tell you she uh, has, is a friend she's been on my show many times and i was blown away to hear that she was part of that that she had the fbi visit her home and and Simone Gold, as you likely know, she is the founder of the America's Frontline Doctor. She's an outspoken doctor, basically talking about the poor way in which our country has handled COVID policy. Uh, she's you know, brilliant and all that. She was in Washington on that day, uh, and she was supposed to actually speak at the, at the rally, which didn't happen, but she got inside the Capitol, uh, as, along with many people. She stood in the main big opening, open area, kind of read her speech, which she was supposed to read across town, and that was what she did. She didn't threaten anyone. Obviously, no one had weapons except for the police officer or whoever it was who killed Ashley Babbitt. He obviously had a weapon, but nobody else did. These are people very worked up, the MAGA people, about the election. So Simone Gold gets inside the Capitol. I want to have Mr. Becker play the clip. Simone Gold is clip four. I guess I want to play just this one and really talk about Simone Gold's case. If the government was concerned about my actions or behavior, Somebody like me, who's not violent and has never been accused ever of anything violent, you would expect a phone call and very easy to track down. So in no way, shape or form was I expecting the FBI to scare me to death and break down my door with 20 guys, a dozen guns, long, big machine guns pointed at me. It was so over the top. There's still no words to describe it. At what point were you contacted? Um, by the, the scariest, most aggressive pounding on the door that I think I've ever heard, uh, preceded by the door being literally broken down and busted through in a matter of 60 seconds or so, um, with screams of FBI, FBI. It's not yelling. This is not like normal yelling. This is like screaming at the top of your lungs. It's like a, a death scream. It's so scary when it is. They're bursting in the door. And then like six feet from me is a big guy, FBI, guns drawn. 10 or 12 people that rushed in immediately with automatic rifles and screaming at the top of their lungs like full you know, battle gear. That was pretty good. It was about twice that, that decibel, but like that, about twice that. Bigger, okay. But that was, that was quite loud. Yeah, yeah. It was very, about, yeah, that was close. Close to <laughs> And then what happened? Oh my God. Oh my God. It's like, it's giving me, P it's like giving me PTSD. 
Like, honestly, yeah. it's like so scary. It was so, and I froze, and I completely froze. And I leap up, and I just kind of stood there. And then they're like, we're gonna break the door down, we're gonna break the door down. I'm like, hang on. And we're turning around to open the door, and they broke the door down. And so then what? They just sort of, this is when they hands started. Hands up, hands up, hands up, put your hands on the wall, hands on the wall. Turn around, turn around, turn around. Really scary. Really you were scary. right there, and you turned around. It's basically right where Sarah is. You back up against that wall, and oh they cut you right there. Like, it's like giving me a heart attack. It's like so scary. Okay, yeah, I'm going to tell you, that particular portrayal, and I'm going to just talk about that one as an example, because Nick Searcy, you followed up with many families, many people in Washington that day, but Simone Gold is kind of widely known as she's very, she's very cerebral, she's very uh, logical, very well informed. So, I, I mean, describe a little bit more about what she had to say and then what her, her uh, did she also, the guy she's with, was the, ended up in being in solitary confinement for four days. Just talk about how they talked about what, what happened to them. Well, as you can see, it's like, like you said, Simone Gold is, there's no history of violence with her. There's no reason to treat her that way. There's no reason to treat any of these families in the movie this way. None of these people have ever been arrested for any violent crime, and yet they're all being treated like uh, Pablo Escobar or something, or some sort of serial killer. And, and, and the way they're being treated is intentional. This is terrorism by the government. This is uh, demonization and criminalization of dissent. And the government does this to send a message to the community. It's not just to intimidate the people that they are uh, harassing like this. It's to let the community know that, you know, this is this will happen to you if you ever open your mouth about something you disagree with in the government again. This is how you could be treated. So you better keep your mouth shut and do what we tell you and put your little mask on and go get your fifth booster or whatever it is that they're telling you to do. If you ever resist them, this is how you're going to be treated. And you see this over and over again with the people that we interview. It's a, it's a terror campaign by our own government against citizens that disagree with the government policy. I could not agree more. And in fact, Evan Syed, you had great people in the film. Evan Syed was making that point, um, as was um, the guy from the Center for Security Policy, Waller, uh, making the point that it's not just the government trying to say, if you breach the Capitol, this might happen to you. It's the government saying, you challenge this government at all, you're going to be called a domestic terrorist. Your life may be threatened. And just and also, I, I, I mean, I just, I can't believe anyone has a hard time seeing this, that the government's overreaction breaking her door down in california because she went inside the capitol simone gold i'm well, speaking of and, and read a speech and, and when you see that you, you get it's a message to even serious conservatives you think twice before you say one thing it's exactly what this was intended to do to terrify people um and so this is what the most important thing about this film i was shocked myself when i talked to these people and i think this film is unique in that people do not know that this is going on. The government will not tell you, they won't put this on television. It's, it's a secret kind of a, a campaign that uh, they want it spread by word of mouth. They don't want everybody to know exactly how badly they're mistreating these people. These people who never went in the building, by the way. Most of the people in our movie never went inside. Yeah, and that idea you could even be in Washington, especially because your message when you're in Washington, your message was, I am concerned about the 2020 elections. I don't think they were valid. That's why people were there. They weren't there just because they really wish Trump had won. They were there because they think he did win. And they're just, they, they want to say something about that. Go ahead. I can see you. Yeah, that, well, in 2018, all the Democrats did for years was talk about how they didn't like the, they didn't think the results of the midterm elections were legitimate. Now, all of a sudden, they want to criminalize saying that, that if you say, I don't believe in the election results, you're some sort of white supremacist, racist terrorist who needs to be locked up. It's like that, that that's part of what the movie's about, too. It should not be against the law for me to say that I don't believe in the results of the election. Right. And, you know, the combination of, of this with the government's doing and then social media shut you right down. You're not allowed. I've gotten warnings. Before I was permanently banned from YouTube, uh, I got warnings on YouTube about you cannot challenge the 2020 elections. 
false statements about what happened in the 2020 elections uh, cannot be said on social media. So they, hey, you have the government's power doing things like breaking down doors, and then the social media giants really in cahoots with the government, reinforcing the same message. It really sends a, marriage of, a message of terrorism uh, and just kind of tyranny has arrived in America to the average American citizen. I, I mean, I want to really want to commend you for making the film because I agree with you. Most people have no idea what really happened on January 20th, January 6th. They actually think it was an insurrection because the media keeps telling them that. And they actually think that people being prosecuted probably deserve it because they did something violent. And so to lay out those stories, innocent people did nothing violent, didn't even go inside the Capitol, and they have the government bursting the door down of their home. You had a story, I don't have time to play it, but you had a story about the Martinez family. And one thing I thought was so striking about it was they were evicted from their home because of the way the FBI approached and searched their home. Their landlord assumed they were, they, they were somehow criminals or dangerous. So this has had really painful life consequences for law-abiding Americans. And just talk about the Martinez family a little bit. Well, that brings up the other way that the, this is being done. They, they, by continuing to say insurrection, white supremacist, racist, domestic terrorist, what they've done is weaponize our neighbors, weaponize the communities against these people so that it's not just the government oppressing them. It's their neighbors writing bad Yelp reviews, reviews about their businesses, running them out of business, losing their jobs. So many people lost their jobs that we spoke to because the, the, the community turned against them after they heard that they had gone to Washington on January 6th. The government was putting up billboards saying, Turn these people in. If you know somebody who went to Washington on January 6th, be a hero and turn your neighbors in. It's like something that would happen in a in Stalin's Russia, where you have uh, you know in, neighbor informants turning turning their uh, turning their friends in and their family members in some cases. It's really really sick. It's sick and it's outrageous and it ought to alarm Americans, whether you voted for Biden or Trump, whether you are on the left or the right, to have our country turn from what was the, the beautiful idea of the founding of America and the notion of civil liberties and freedom of speech and the freedom to have robust political debate and to participate in freedom and have freedom of assembly. All of those things are hallmarks of keeping America America, keeping, preserving our rights and our freedoms, and everything about that is under attack. I mean, I love the point you're making about what the government tends to do. In fact, I was going to ask you if you saw this one story. I think it was the Chicago uh, branch of the FBI. They actually put out a tweet before Thanksgiving, encouraging people, talking to people at your Thanksgiving table. Were any of them in Washington on, on January 6th? You know, consider turning them in. Did you see that? Yeah. No, I mean, last week there was a, the FBI broke down the door of a, a woman who was going to school board meetings to protest the curriculum. I mean, this yeah. is now that they've gotten away with it, they have established this as a pattern of behavior that the, that the FBI can do this to people. It, all they have to do is say you're a domestic terrorist. It doesn't matter what you actually did. If they classify you as that, they can use these tactics to destroy your life. That, and I have to tell you, I know we could, we could probably talk all day about this, but I want to add on one other thing that's happening. Because of the uh, left seems to have accomplished this mission of convincing most Americans that January 6th was an insurrection, and it was people going to you know, overthrow the government, it has justified the January 6th commission, committee, to expand the reach of who they want to subpoena. They're now subpoenaing people who weren't even there in January 6th, but who participated in Trump speeches and Trump rallies and funding yeah. rallies and helping him get his message out because, say they, they, they this is where they were laying the seeds of the, the coming insurrection. They have adjusted, they have, they're using their police power, it's not police power, but there's power to subpoena in the January 6th commission to penalize people who spoke out during the, the, the Trump campaign to say they were laying the seeds of the insurrection. They are that they are using this insurrection thing against us. Yes, and uh, you know, the sad thing about the January 6th commission is that they've turned some of the Republicans against us too. I mean, you have people like Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. I mean, what's the difference in them and 
the Democrats who are literally trying to criminalize dissent. They are trying to criminalize opposing them. And that's why they're going after these people who organize speeches. You know, it's, it's insane. It's like you, you can't have a candidate that actually opposes us. If you're going to be a Republican, you have to be somebody like Liz Cheney or Mitt Romney or John McCain who doesn't actually oppose us. And, and that's the real, real um, danger of what's happening now. Debbie, I'm okay. going to have to run. Um, I can see you looking off camera. You got to roll. Okay. Well, I'll yeah. tell you what I want to talk to ask you next time I talk to you, which is any pushback from Hollywood, yeah. which I assume you did get, or I would imagine that. And then going forward, uh, what, how do you get this film out there? I'm going to let you go. I'm going to tell my listeners how to get the film out there more. And thank you for your time, Nick. Good to see you. Thank you so much. Capitalpunishmentthemovie.com. Absolutely. We're going to put it up on the screen. In fact, I sent that to Mr. Becker, if you can put up that slide. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to make that. Anyway, the movie, there you go. This is Capital Punishment, and the film is CapitalPunishmentTheMovie.com. It's 10 bucks. You can just see there. I got that film. I, we watched it last night at our home, $10. Uh, and it's actually, it's a great thing if you can share it with your friends. Because I'm telling you, the left is enabling their own continued growth in tyranny and control over society because they believe they have managed to dupe the American people into seeing this as an insurrection. And a, the remedy for that is for more Americans to understand there was no insurrection. January 6th was not an insurrection. The insur there was not insurrection being planned in the rallies ahead of time. It wasn't an insurrection that day. Again, the facts straight. We need to get talking with Nick uh, seriously about Ashley Babbitt but the one person killed uh, by violence that day was Ashley Babbitt, killed by a lot of debate about whether it's a Capitol Police officer or someone on the security protection team for Vice President Pence. But that actual footage is in the film. I mean, you actually see Ashley Babbitt going through a broken window and, and literally you see the guy with the gun shooting her and, in the head and she comes back out and falls down. You see, it's a little rough, but I'm telling you, you have to understand the people in Washington that day were very much like Nick Searcy is describing, like I've described on November 14th, law-abiding, America-loving patriots who are very, very concerned about what seems overwhelming evidence of election fraud simply don't want to have the American people uh, know that story. So I, I urge you to get, watch his film and understand how much mileage the left is getting out of, the, of their characterization of January 6th. And on top of that, on top of that, I want to encourage you to think about not just what they're doing with the January 6th commission as they are you know, trying to drag in now Roger Stone and I can't remember who the other people are, but a bunch of people who supported Trump, Alex Jones, dragging them in front of the commission. They're trying to, subpoenaing them and getting in front of the, the uh, January 6th commission and hassling and accusing and, and berating them, uh, making a public spectacle of them all to push their agenda of having America believe it was an insurrection. But even more so, there was an interview with Adam Schiff, or Adam Schiffless, whichever you want to call him, Adam Schiff, uh, who's a Democrat leader. You know, he's a big leader in the Democrat Party. Um, and he, was, he is the House Intelligence Chair, the House Intelligence Chairman. And he's big on pushing the January 6th hoax, the insurrection hoax. He's big on pushing that too. But he's also giving hints about how the Democrat Party is going to use their lie that January 6th was an insurrection, use their lie in future elections in America, push this lie that um, because the insurrection was so serious that they're going to have to curtail uh, certain forms of speech that may be dangerous. Uh, they're, they're just going to talk about, they're, they're going to use the insurrection and a lot, they're calling it insurrection in their campaign messaging and everything they do. They're capitalizing on an event which the more you read about, the more you understand, you recognize many questionable characters involved in, in the whole agitation at the Capitol, including this Ray Epps character, who turns out seemingly likely FBI informant, was the one encouraging even the day before, we're going to break in that Capitol, break in, and on January 6th, break in. Well, Trump and his followers are across town still hearing his speech. And you had people very clearly identified by those around who know as looking like Antifa, looking like Black Lives Matter folks, agitating the situation. I'm not saying that MAGA supporters, Trump supporters weren't there. Of course they were. 
but there was a there was a an agitation factor a major agitation factor by people who appear to have been uh, trying to agitate the crowd and then the Capitol Police letting people in. I want to wrap up this by this little segment by saying this. Do not get drawn into the left-wing lie that January 6th was an insurrection conducted at the hands of insurrectionist MAGA supporters, lunatic right-wing people. The entire day has many earmarks of a setup of an effort, and then it is certainly being manipulated by the Democrats, both to harass anyone who supported Trump, to question whether anyone had the right to help fund rallies ahead of time in support of Trump's reelection, or engage in any other activity supporting Trump, and they intend to use this January 6th insurrection hoax as a basis for winning, they think they can win the 2022 midterms. This is a horrific hoax which is uh, the left is using to their great, great advantage. And the antidote for conservatives is to understand the facts. You ought to get Nick Searcy's film uh, and, and watch it at home. Okay, so I'm going to do this thing. Before I go, before we get to the um, third segment, I want to tell you how the show gets funded and urge you to think about this. It's Christmas season. Everybody has to buy gifts for somebody or for a lot of somebody's. You can go to MyPillow.com. This is the MyPillow.com, Mike Lindell's company. He's been making high quality pillows, high quality towels, sheets, pajamas, slippers. And he's a guy who got on board with recognizing the mathematical reason, the logical reason that many people doubted the 2020 elections. And so he's been pushing to have that information that's been assembled by many people, get that information in front of a judge. That's his goal. Get the information he knows about, the information created and assembled by him, by many experts, get it in front of the Supreme Court to have them look at it and decide whether or not there's sufficient evidence to really examine what happened in the 2020 elections and try to remedy, or as they say, fix 2020. So put that slide back up. So Mr. Lindell uh, has had his company, MyPillow, pretty much banished from uh, common advertising places, banished from the large um, container store, warehouse stores, banished from the stores you commonly shop at for these kind of items, but they're high quality, high class items. I would not tell you this unless I knew myself. We now at our house have MyPillow pillows. They make soft, medium, hard. They make, you know, regular queen and king size. They are very, very high quality pillows. So you can get pillows, pajamas, uh, towels, really, really high quality towels with all the matching sets. And they even have the really kind of big towels we love at our house, the kind of bath sheets. So towels, slippers. And when you go to mypillow.com, I got to put him up in there again, go to leave it up for a second. Mypillow.com. When you go there, Think about all the Christmas gifts you could get, or even get yourself a Christmas gift or two. So go to MyPillow.com, search your website, make some choice of things you'd like, and when you get to the end, promo code, put in Debbie G. You see the bottom right of that flyer, Debbie G. Put in Debbie G. You get up to 66% off of, of your entire order. And now, coming back to me, the reason that I want you to do this is because I do this show. I've been doing this show actually since 2014. Can you believe that? Since 2014, I have never been paid a penny. Seriously. I'm a lawyer by background. I used to get paid a lot of pennies. This is a show purely dedicated to the love of America, to preservation of America. I don't get paid. And it costs money to do this show, to have this lovely studio, to have Mr. Becker and all the other wonderful staff here who helped make this show possible. And so when you buy something at my pillow, you get a discounted price up to 66% and I get a small percentage. It works out so you are fighting back against the left-wing censors trying to shut down Mike Lindell and my pillow. You get great quality products at a sale price and I get some small percentage. This is a way I can continue to talk about what I want to talk about on my show, tell you truth straight out, no uh, making myself whatever my stories are, my views, uh, 
you know, massaged or limited by somebody who is a, an advertiser. I speak truth about America. MyPillow.com is a great place for you to go. Buy yourself a gift. Buy everybody a gift. Everyone loves bathrobes, great traditional Christmas gift, and all sorts of other great stuff. So go to MyPillow.com, help support this show. Okay, now the last thing I'm going to do on today, I, I did this segment, I used to do it on my, when I was on Salem Radio, I'll call it a cruise through the news. And basically, there were so many stories that I couldn't get to, I couldn't cover in depth. I love going in depth on stories. I love diving in on details and the law behind it and the real issue and the way people are being misled. But I can't do that at every issue. But I decided today to do a cruise through the news because there are a bunch of stories I wanted to hit and I, I didn't, I couldn't do any of them uh, and, you know, justice in, in a full length story. So I want to just hit a couple of them. Number one, uh, do you remember it was now, I think, four years ago, I believe it was four years ago, when Jesse Smollett, and he was an actor, he was an actor on television, and um, he was a, uh, I guess, pretty successful actor. He is black, he is gay, and he was a pretty successful actor, and he came forward and reported to the police that he had been mugged, I mean, seriously mugged, late at night, almost like late at night, early morning, very late at night, in, in some a bad neighborhood, I think in Chicago, in any case, he claimed he was mugged, and, and it would, the people were yelling racist things at him, yelling racist epithets and, and sexual, you know, uh, because he's gay, uh, sexual uh, insults of some kind. He claimed that they were just picking on him because he's black and gay. At the time, he was a famous actor. And at the time, many, many Hollywood types came leaping out of the everywhere to, to defend him. This is an outrage. This is proof that, you know, Donald Trump is turning out. Oh, I think he even said... He might have even said one of the people had on a MAGA hat or something like that. In any case, he was trying to blame it all on the culture that Donald Trump had cultivated, the MAGA culture. And so, of course, every leftist in America piled on. This is terrible. That America is a racist country, blah, blah. Well, as it turns out, you know, after all the investigation was done, the story fell apart almost instantly. Uh, the police investigating more and more and more. And the fact is, the police came to conclude that he made the whole story up made up the whole story, hook, line, and sinker, never, ever happened. And he had two members of the crew of the television show he was on at the time, or I don't know what it was, a TV, I think it was a TV series. Anyway, whatever, he had two people who worked on that show who they actually came forward and said, yeah, actually, Jesse Smollett paid us to, to rough him up. So he would look injured, he had a black eye, whatever. You know, he, he looked like he'd been beaten. They actually came forward and confessed. Yeah, he paid us to do this. And Jesse Smollett saying, I don't know why they're saying that, but his whole story fell apart. So finally, I'm getting around to saying that today or yesterday, I think today, yeah, it has to be today, his trial is starting. Jesse Smollett is still being prosecuted for making false statements, a series of crimes related to a hoax that you, when you make up a hoax and you go to the police and you claim something happened, but it didn't happen, Turns out that's still a crime, thank goodness. So he made up the story. According to the police, they believe he made up the story. He's charged with a series of the relatively minor charges, you know, that he made up the whole story. I mean, nothing in his story checked out. Nothing in what he claimed. There was no evidence and, and everybody involved, in fact, even people who had come to his defense or, you know, jumped up and said, this is terrible, said, you know, actually it sounds like he made it up. His trial starts today. And I'm telling you that all this to say the left thrives and survives on hoaxes, thrives and survives on lies, on many different fronts. On Jesse Smollett, obviously, people defending him might say, well, even if he wasn't beaten up, you know, lots of this happens all the time. He's really right. But the fact is, I am so proud of the system of justice that somebody's still saying, yeah, actually, we're going to prosecute. You can't just make up a crime and use, you know, hundreds of probably thousands of hours of police officer time, detective officer time, researching, investigating, trying to figure out what happened when those people could actually have been working on real crimes that actually happened. So he's being prosecuted for this, what is apparent to most people, a hoax. I love that. On the subject of how the left thrives and survives on hoaxes, you have to under, just think back. We talked at the beginning of the show today, and we've been talking with Nick Searcy about the whole January 6th thing. Please understand, 
saying that January 6th was an insurrection is yet another hoax by left-wing America. Going back to Trump's time when he was uh, first in office and, the, and even before he was elected, the whole Trump-Russia collusion thing, they went on and on for, I mean, it was like three and a half years of an investigation by Mueller and the corrupt FBI behind him, three and a half years of trying to track down the completely non-existent Trump-Russia collusion. I mean, I remember during the time thinking, how long could it take? I mean, how many witnesses could there be? You could talk to everyone in America by now. I mean, they spent, and what they were doing was digging and digging and digging, as they say, a witch hunt or a fishing expedition, trying to find something that gave credence to this idea of a Trump-Russia collusion hoax. As it turns out, as we all know, because John Brennan had the CIA wrote it in his notes, the entire Trump-Russia collusion hoax was cooked up by Hillary Clinton as a smear campaign, a smear campaign. She cooked up the whole thing with her little team on her, the DNC and Hillary Clinton and the other organizations she used, the Perkins Coie Law Firm, all to get around to cooking up a lie. But the left lived off this lie. They, they ran campaigns off this lie of Trump-Russia collusion and there was nothing to it. Finally, Mueller had to say, actually, there's not one bit of evidence. And if you're thinking there were some prosecutions, those are prosecutions for process crimes. Like we interviewed you once and you said X and now, as it turns out, X wasn't quite right. It's more like Y. And so they would trap people, this, this you know, perjury trap thing, where people actually were just confused in their answers, didn't remember something correctly. None of the prosecutions that occurred under the Trump-Russia collusion hoax had anything to do with alleged Trump-Russia collusion. Nothing. Zip, zero, nada, nothing. People maybe didn't file correctly when they were supposed to file as an agent for a foreign country. They didn't file certain paperwork. Nothing of the prosecutions they did had anything to do with Trump-Russia collusion. But the left fed off it and still feeds off it today. You still have polling showing some percentage of completely ignorant leftists still think Trump-Russia collusion happened. They just couldn't find it. And then you got to Trump being impeached over the Ukraine conversation, a Trump conversation with the head of the Ukraine in which Trump was accused of doing what Joe Biden actually did to them, another big fat lie. But the left thrives, thrives off of lies, hoaxes, and innuendo. So you had the Russia collusion hoax, you had the Ukraine hoax. I mean, Jesse Smollett wasn't part of that but it's part of feeding the narrative. The left lives to feed narratives that make people hate America. So that turns to a couple of the stories I wanna hit uh, on this uh, kind of cruise of the news. One is, I was just gonna mention, around Thanksgiving, before Thanksgiving, uh, and around Thanksgiving, I was looking at different news sources. You might be surprised, I spend a lot of time online reading, reading, I, I, I actually read left-wing stuff too, try to figure what crazy stuff they're saying. But anyway, on Thanksgiving, you actually can, I mean, you could give me an article and I'll read it and I can tell you the politics of the person who wrote it about Thanksgiving without me knowing the name. And because the simple fact is this, the anti-American left, the Marxist totalitarian left that's taken over the Democrat party in this country, that's conducting the break the door down on Simone Gold kind of stuff, the anti-American Marxist left hates Thanksgiving. They hate the holiday Thanksgiving. They are working toward eliminating Thanksgiving as a holiday. And the reason they hate it is because Thanksgiving celebrates everything good about America. Thanksgiving celebrates the, the pure faith of the pilgrims who came here for religious freedom. It celebrates their faith in God, their gratitude to God, their gratitude for making it to a new land where they can live out their lives with religious freedom. It celebrates that the, it, the people who were so happy to have had an abundant harvest. And so they had food at the end of the harvest season. They had food. They were celebrating God's care, abundance, protection. It, it's a celebration of everything good about America. And, and a celebration of the place of faith in America's history. This makes the anti-American Marxist totalitarian left out of their minds. They hate 
that people are celebrating the goodness of America. So all the left-wing articles I read, all these left-wing articles focus on things like there were numerous Indian tribes in the area where the pilgrims were, and there was this one Indian tribe that had kind of more or less uh, befriended them and was working with them uh, as they got through their first, uh, their first winter, which was really uh, a rough winter. And so the people on the left who hate Thanksgiving and hate America, their entire orientation in describing Thanksgiving has to do with the focus on the Native Americans, how the Native Americans were here first, and everybody who came over, the Western settlers who came over from Europe, you know, they came here to destroy and kill and conquer and pillage. And so they, the entire description of Thanksgiving is all about various Indian tribes and how those Indian tribes were harmed by the white settlers who came to America. And, and this notion that somehow, if we'd all be honest, you know, we need to give all this land back to uh, various Indian tribes in various areas. So it's a anti, I mean, the whole notion of celebrating God's goodness, God's care, God's provision, the greatness of these finding a land where they can live in freedom, all of that doesn't matter to the left. They want to talk, can we talk about the Native Americans? And I want to hit a couple points about that because it really matters. This is, this is not a uh, hammering that's going to go away. The left keeps making the argument, all these lunatic left-wing academics keep making the argument, well, this territory really belonged to this set of Indians, this tribe, there was another tribe here. Now, they will tell you that, you know, pre-discovery of America, all these Indian tribes living in what we now call the United States of America, they at various points had vicious battles wars and they fought each other and they killed each other and they and they kidnapped each other's women and children i mean there never was a country america until united states of america was ultimately established there was a a wide swath of land the geography we now call america filled with a bunch of tribes and they regularly fought each other they had no you know no coordinated structure among each other and so even if these people, if we, we try to humor these left-wing academics, say, okay, 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 you know, what land should we give back to this particular Indian tribe? So, so they say, okay, well, yeah, yeah, you know, this, this one should have belonged to, uh, and I want to say the Winnipeg, but I'm not sure the name uh, of the one that was in the area, but yeah, the Wampanoag. But the Wampanoag actually wanted the pilgrims' help because the Wampanoag were about to be attacked by another tribe uh, that they wanted the white uh, the settlers, the Narragansett. So Wampanoag, Narragansett, they're fighting each other and the Wampanoag thinks that the pilgrims are going to help each other. The point is, no one on this planet Earth, no one on the planet Earth today could accurately say all the Native American tribes, this should, this should be their land, this should be their land, this should be their land. Because whatever piece of land it is was controlled by one tribe before another tribe took it over, and before that tribe took it over, another tribe took it over. It is an absurd argument to talk about somehow, you know, that, the, that the, we're, we're living on stolen land. That was one of the big mantras that some left-wing group put out over and over. You're living on stolen land. You're celebrating Thanksgiving on stolen land. You have to have order. You have to have a country. America created a country with, up until recently, had a rule of law, had a structure, had a set of laws, had a, a system of governance that made life better for everyone. But the left, well, I, hit, I mean, I could hit many more points about the left. Understand, the left is going to try to drive Thanksgiving out of the American calendar and, and describe it as they do, as racist and xenophobic and, and, and hateful because they come up with some stories of something that happened in the early 1600s. And they want to adjust everything somehow to what some people thought in the early 1600s. There are many other attacks on America that, that were the themes came out of the, um, the, the pieces on Thanksgiving. So I just want to close on, that, on this topic by saying this. Did you ever stop to think about the fact, as you read left-wing literature, left-wing arguments, on any topic there is, there is never any concept of love. Never any concept of love being expressed, love of God, love of your fellow mankind, 
any, there's no concept like that. The left is, as I say, they, they get their power through hoaxes and lies, and they perpetuate things long after they know they are lies. They live off of lies, they, and they're going to try to live off the January 6th lie as long as we let them, but they live off of lies. There's no, the, the whole sentiment of love of America, love of God, love of freedom, the greatness of America is, is entirely lost on them because they just thrive on creating division and creating hatred. And the remedy to them is to stop listening to them. We ought to double down on Thanksgiving, double down on celebrating what the, the, what the first pilgrims were celebrating. Stop letting these academic, you know, a pie-in-the-sky, lunatic, anti-American, freedom-hating people get in the conversation about what Thanksgiving is. It's the most, it's my favorite holiday. It's the most beautiful holiday in the year because it's all about just thank, celebrating and uh, thanking God for his goodness and protection and provision uh, to his people. Okay, I'm out of time. I'm going to save a topic for, I was going to do in cruise and there's one more thing. I was on a very lengthy conference call this morning which I hardly ever do on show days, but I got a lengthy conference call about a great project getting started in California. Um, and has, it's called the Unity Project. The Unity Project, I'll leave this teaser here and go to why it matters to you. But on this teaser here, I'll tell you the Unity Project is a bunch of doctors, healthcare workers, activists, all organizing around the idea that we have to stop the vaccine mandate for children, the COVID vaccine mandate for children. Much more to tell you, but I'm out of time, so I'm going to go why it matters to you, and I will come back to that tomorrow. So as you start our show today, I'm going to do my why it matters to you uh, at the end of our show, and I want to do America's Not Lost Yet. Andrea Widberg at, at American Thinker notes the deterioration in a San Francisco neighborhood during one lifetime, from a childhood place of safety to walk downtown, to a current weeknight gatherings to spin wheelies in the main intersection. She's not, she, <clears throat> you know, I got to say something else at this point. She, you, you can get wistful about the good old days, but think about the people who would actually choose on a Saturday night, instead of doing something wholesome, fun, educational, interesting, athletic, they choose to stand around a corner intersection in some town and watch other idiots spin wheelies and, and, and tear up the street. They literally were tearing up the street in this town. What a soulless life they live. The people who would think that's entertaining, the people who show up to watch it, the people who do it. I mean, what an empty, soulless life. Anyway, it's a soulless decline of civilization, purpose, aspiration. And also, captures a realization happening all over America. Lawless benefits lawlessness benefits no one. There's no progress that's possible where there's no civility and no law and order. Many believe the Republic is already lost. Some say America is already over the cliff and reaching for anything to grab onto. But America's founding ideas for biblical grounding, these are never lost, but they clearly need to be relearned and revalued and restored. And on my cruise through the news, contrasting Views of Thanksgiving, the left railing on Americans as living on stolen land, give it back to Native Americans, eventually ban Thanksgiving altogether. Trust me, it's where they're headed because it's about the place of God in America. On the right, you hear time for humility, gratitude, recognition of blessings, honoring the central role of faith in the American heritage. On the Unity Project to ban mandated vaccines, I have to come back to that. I didn't get to it too much, um, but this is a great project. I didn't, I'll just tell you very quickly, on Waukesha, criminal as a car, all these headlines, the CNN and Washington Post are describing the guy who drove his car through a Christmas parade on purpose and killed six people. As they describe that incident now, they're calling it a car. Yeah, this is the CNN tweet. Waukesha will hold a moment of silence and marking one week since a car drove. I mean, you'd think it was a self-driving car. And the reason they say a car drove through a city Christmas parade killing six people is because they don't want to call attention to the fact that the driver was a black American who had pledged his support, called himself a black supremacist, spoken or written about hating white people. That's who did that. And so Waukesha, I can go back to why it matters to you, shove it around a little bit. But anyway, the Waukesha criminal is now a car and CNN, all, all these left-wing sources cannot deal with the truth of the anger they have, their ideology has, has been breeding and, and feeding in, in 
some communities. So they've made people thinking they should hate America and hate white people, and that's what led to this guy doing this. Okay, now Biden and Iran, I didn't even tell you this, but Biden is going on with nuclear negotiations while the Iranian military commits to annihilation of Israel and to destroy Zionism in the world. We'll hit that another day. You have to understand, Joe Biden is willing to negotiate with Iran to reopen the nuclear deal at the very same time their leaders are talking to a student group in Iran and saying they will not budge from their commitment to annihilate Israel. And they said, not going to budge, not one milliliter. And so what, what is Biden thinking is going to happen, actually? You know, we can't, I, I'm out of time for today. I'll come back to these stories tomorrow. I'll come back to Unity Project, come back to Biden, come back to you tomorrow and every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth about America? Can